The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first, he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. We have in our gospel reading today another one of the marvelously odd examples that Jesus uses in his teaching. Instead of holding up before his disciples the figure of a saint or a prophet, he puts before them as an object of some kind of admiration a man whose behavior is criminal. What a remarkable moment this is. And in doing so, the Lord wants to emphasize a very important issue. And that is how much we, the faithful, often take the gift of our salvation for granted. And in a sense, do, and in doing that, 
effectively squander it. And so he has the example of the steward who has not been faithful in his responsibilities. The steward is given responsibility over the entire property. He keeps the books. He budgets for the house. He distributes the wealth. He pays the salaries. It is an enormous responsibility. And one could see then that one has to be of truly trustworthy character to merit a position like this. And so we have a man who's been given tremendous authority, tremendous responsibility over the household. He's second only to the owner. And the owner has trusted him and given him time and space within which to do his work. And over time, reports come back to the master that the one he has placed in that position, his steward, whom he trusted with so much, has not only not been doing a good job, he's been enriching himself and squandering and diminishing the value of the estate by his conduct. And so it is then that the owner calls to him and says, there must be a moment of accounting for your responsibility. And it's at this moment that the dishonest steward wakes up and says, I'm in trouble. Now, that's not confession. Don't put your hands up. But how many of us have had that experience of a last minute being called to accounting for something we've neglected and had that same sort of panicked response within us? You know, whether it's the school, uh, this person's school student who realizes that the report is actually due tomorrow and I haven't started it yet. Whether it's that project or that responsibility of work that I was putting off and suddenly the deadline has snuck up on me. And so here we have this moment of the steward who was relaxing in his laziness, relaxing in his deceitfulness, relaxing and living in his selfishness, finally being told it comes to an end and we're going to look at the books. And the horizon that Jesus is speaking in here is not merely the horizon of earthly deadlines. He's using them as an example. And he's saying the one who has an earthly deadline that he has to meet and isn't ready for flies into a desperate panic where he'll do anything to try and get out of it or make it right. But the Lord is also reminding his disciples, you have been trusted with much. You have been given much. There is a household of the spirit, a household of the heart, over which you have been given authority. And you have been gifted with a wealth to use not merely selfishly, but on behalf of the one who has trusted you with it. And there will come a moment when the owner of the household and its goods and its wealth is going to say, let's have a seat in my office and we'll go over the books. And if we're basically honest with and about ourselves, 
that might cause a little nervousness within us, the very thought of that. Have I used everything God has given me well or wisely? Have I squandered what he has given me? Have I neglected it? Have I misused it? And this is where the Lord now says to his disciples, but, but where's your urgency? And so he says, now look at this man. He's being called to account. <coughs> and if nothing else, he's at least honest about who he is. I'm not cut out for digging ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. So he's not even good at all of the things he would need to do to support himself otherwise. He could beg for help, but I'm too proud for that. He could do hard work and earn the money back. But I'm not good at that. I'm too weak for that. And so here now he says, I need something else. And notice he's running through his options. What can I do? What should I do? Until he says, I know exactly what I'll do. I got in trouble by misusing my master's property. I'll do some more of that. And so he calls in the debtors. And he does it in a way where he benefits somebody else so that they owe him something. How much do you owe my master? A hundred measures? Oh, cut it in half. We'll take care of that. And why? So that when I come knocking on your door after I get fired, you'll take good care of me. And he goes one by one through the entire list because he's going to make sure he always has a place to go. And note that idea. They will receive me into their homes. They'll feed me. I'll have a place to sleep. I'll be able to watch the ball game. Everything will be fine. And finally, on some levels, he's actually putting his master's goods to productive use, at least for himself. But Jesus pauses and he marvels at the industriousness of this dishonest man. The fact that when he realized the day of accounting was coming, he did something. And he said, isn't it often the case we have more urgency about the things of this world than we do about the things of heaven? We get more upset and more worried about the details of this world than we do about the state of our souls and the quality of our hearts. We're more worried about balancing earthly books than we are about that heavenly ledger to which we are most accountable. And so the Lord putting this example there says, where is your urgency, my friends? Where is your urgency? Because you already know. On the day of judgment, the master of the house is going to have a sit down with you. And he's not going to be interested in your brother's books or your sister's books or somebody else's books. He wants to see yours. And he's going to say, give me an account of what you've done with what you've been given. With your life, with your time with your family, with your talents, 
with the capacity for good that I put inside of you. I'm interested in how that was used. I'm not interested in the size of the house you built for yourself. I'm not as interested in how successful your business is. Those are not bad things, but they're not the most important thing. I'm not interested in your academic accomplishments. I'm interested in your moral accomplishment. Because all of these other things consume our time, consume our attention, <coughs> and we take care of ourselves with regard to these things, making sure that they're there to take care of us. But in the end, in the end, there's only one before whom we come and to whom we must give an account. And so then the Lord says, going back to the dishonest steward, he gives that marvelous statement, make friends with yourself with dishonest wealth. Now that's not Jesus saying go out and cheat somebody or rob somebody and have dishonest money. Wealth that's dishonest is wealth that promises reliability when in the end it isn't. And he's saying the wealth of this world, the goods of this world, are dishonest in that sense. Your earthly reputation is a passing thing and a shallow thing. The money that we earn is not a bad thing, but it guarantees nothing. It is a tool to be used, not a goal to aspire toward. And so note what he says. Use these things, don't be used by them. Press them into service. And among yourselves, know what he said, the children of the world are better at dealing with one another than the children of the kingdom are. In other words, Jesus is saying, we don't know how to deal with each other. It's not just a matter of not knowing how to deal with the world. We don't know how to deal with each other. And he says that in the context of making friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth. In other words, those possessions you work so hard to acquire, that security you invest so much of yourself in obtaining, who is it for? Is it for you or can it also help somebody else? Can you treat one another with the goods of the kingdom and the goods of this world in such a way that you can truly and openly receive one another? into your homes and into your hearts. The children of this world know how to do that. They do it in the fraudulent currency of the world, buying affection. The Lord is saying, but we have a different currency, a true currency, a currency of goodness, a currency of mercy, a currency of compassion, a currency of wisdom. And we can spend that on one another too in such a way that everyone is richer for the spending and no one is diminished. Make friends for yourselves. And he says, start small. Small gestures of goodness. Small gestures of charity. Small gestures of faithfulness. And that will give way to bigger things. 
Don't think like the people of this world who say it has to be big right out of the box or it's nothing. Jesus is not saying go big or go home. He's saying take a step, even a small one toward honesty, toward goodness, toward generosity. Begin in small ways to use what you've been given and in time the Lord will show you a trustworthy way to go bigger. Don't worry about going big. Just start. Because the one who is trustworthy in small things will be trustworthy in bigger. Because the greater the gift, the more it amplifies the character of the heart. If my heart is vicious, petty, unreliable, and deceitful, it's going to be vicious, petty, unreliable, and deceitful in a big way with big things. But if my heart is faithful and responsible with small things, it will know how to handle the larger ones. What a marvelous, marvelous truth that is. The one who is trustworthy in the small. And then the Lord says, and if you're not trustworthy with somebody else's wealth, with the wealth God has given you, why are you expecting God's going to give you more that's your own? Be responsible with what he's given you. Oh, and he will give you wealth that will be yours. Because you're trustworthy and you show it. And the Lord finishes then by saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't give your heart, your mind, and your attention to striving after worldly advancement and worldly things and worldly consolation and think you're also striving after the heavenly. It doesn't work that way. You'll strive after one and put the other in the back seat, or you'll strive after the other. But you're only going to fix your heart on one thing, not on several. And so fix your heart, he says, in the right place. Strive after the heavenly, real wealth, real peace, Real salvation will come with that. But if you fix your heart on the earthly, don't flatter yourself and don't fool yourself that you're living a spiritual life. One of the most common lies that we hear people say about themselves in our present age is, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. That's not possible. That's not possible. Because the minute my spiritual life claims me and begins shaping my action in a regular way, whether it's organized or not, I am living religiously. To say I'm spiritual but I'm not religious is to say my spirituality is mere feeling. It's nice thoughts. It's wishful thinking but I don't let it claim me or shape me. What good is that? How real is that? And so the Lord is saying, seek and serve the Lord and let that service claim you, shape you, and move you. And as you begin to do that, all that is good will indeed 
But if we fall into the trap of saying, I don't let my faith really claim me. I like the gospel. I respect Jesus, but I don't change much for him. Don't fool yourself and say you're serving him or seeking him. Because what we're really doing is serving ourselves and serving the world. And what a marvelous, what a marvelous gospel reading to have today when we were able to receive and enthrone this beautiful icon of good Saint Joseph here. Speaking of a responsible and wise steward, consider this. He's the good steward, and the Lord set him over his very own household. He receives the Virgin Mary into his home as his wife. And in receiving her, he receives the Savior. And he is the one who watches over, who provides for, who protects, and who cares for the Holy Family, for the Holy Household, for the household of the Lord himself. A great trust, and he was worthy of it. And note, before we celebrate him as the protector of the church, we celebrate him as the protector of his family. Because the one who is responsible in small things will be responsible in greater. And because Joseph was responsible for the quality of his heart when he was young and as he grew older, he was found and declared responsible enough to receive into his household the Savior of the world. What a marvelous example. This one whose home was blessed, whose household was happy, who worked hard in poverty and in need and never truly lacked because he was the custodian of the greatest treasure the universe has ever known. What a marvelous example for all of us. Jesus, in speaking that way, in speaking of the steward, also has in his mind the man who raised him. Joseph, responsible over the household in Nazareth. A loving husband, a loving father, a good provider, a reliable protector, and one who was always immediately responsive to the word of God when heaven spoke. The other remarkable thing about Joseph is he doesn't have a single, <coughs> a single speaking part in all of scripture. He's the original guy who couldn't get a word in. We never hear him speak, but we see heaven speak to him and him moving immediately always ready, always obedient, always responsible. And in that simple and verbally silent example, Joseph says more than enough for all of us. In just a few minutes, that same Lord Jesus is going to be on this altar. And he's going to come forward off that altar as we come forward. Fortunately, he's not calling us to a moment of accounting today. But he is calling us forward. 
and we're going to stretch out our hands. And we, like Joseph 2,000 years ago, are going to receive somebody. Not into our physical dwellings, but into the dwelling place of our heart. And note what heaven is saying to you as you receive Holy Communion. Behold, I make you steward over my wealth. I trust great wealth into your care. Begin with small steps, because the one who is trustworthy in small things will be trustworthy indeed and greater. And how marvelous it is that he is willing to continue risking and extending this unspeakably great trust for us here in this place. And because it really is true that those who are trustworthy in small things can likewise be trustworthy in great things, those who are trustworthy to swing a burning object without catching anybody on fire can probably be trusted to take care of a little bit of ice cream later on. <laughs>